Okay, so this Febrenian was given on Shabbos Parashat Sisrei, Chav Shvat, Tavshin Chavhei. This year is also Chav Shvat, Shabbos, no? Yeah. Rashi explains at the beginning of this week's Torah portion, by Yishma Yisrei, Yisrei heard. And Rashi questions, What did Yisrael hear that motivated him to want to come join the Jewish people? The question Rashi has is not why did Yisrael come at all. The question Rashi has is why did he come specifically now after the, the beginning of the month of Sivan, the Jewish people are standing at Mount Sinai, how come Yisrael didn't come immediately to right after the departure from Egypt? They should have. W- w- why didn't he um, come right away? He waited uh, until <clears throat> they arrived at Mount Sinai. Why didn't he come earlier? <clears throat> Note number two. He says, "You might think, well, he left then." He left as soon as they departed from Egypt. But just like it took them some time to get to Mount Sinai, it took him also some time to come from Midian to Mount Sinai. But you can't answer that because Midian and Mount Sinai are neighbors, are very close. The very fact that Moshe Rabbeinu went to Mount Sinai to, um, to, take, the sheep of Mid- to take the sheep of his father-in-law um, and to bring them to pasture, specifically in Mount Sinai, that tells you that, that Midian and Mount Sinai were actually very close to each other. So why did it take him such a long time to join the Jewish people at Mount Sinai uh, and didn't come immediately after their departure from, from Egypt? So Rashi says, what are you so here that motivated him to come? He heard about Kriyas Yamsuf, Muhammad Samalek. He heard about the splitting of the Red Sea and the war with Amalek. Yisra did not come in order to convert to Judaism. Uh, look at note number four. The Gemara has a different text than what Rashi has. <coughs> different, different question than Rashi. The Gemara's question is, what did Yisra hear that motivated him to convert? According to the Gemara, when Yisrael heard that God did so many miracles to Jewish people, he still, he still wasn't motivated to convert. Only after Moshe Rabbeinu told his father-in-law, only after he arrived and he heard more, that from Moshe Rabbeinu, then he had heard before, about Kriyas Yamsa, the splitting of the Reed Sea, then he was motivated to convert. That's a Gemara's question. Why did he come to convert? But according to Rashi, the question is not really why did he come to convert, rather, according to Rashi, the question is why did he come at all? And the answer is, he came to correct the, the negativity that was fostered as a result of the war with Amalek. Note 5. 
When he heard that we left Egypt, although he heard about the miracles, he didn't have a reason to come to the Jewish people. Again, he didn't have, according to Rashi, he, wasn't, he, didn't, have the, he, he didn't intend to convert. Um, so, according to Rashi, only after he spoke to Meshach Rabbeinu was he convinced of converting. But that wasn't why he came. According to Gemara, he came to convert. So, although he heard, heard all these miracles, that wasn't why he, he came. It wasn't, he didn't want to convert. That would happen later when he spoke to Meshach Rabbeinu, when he heard about the miracles, then he decided to convert. But what motivated him to come? It was because of the war with Amalek. He wanted to do something about this. What was wrong with the war with Amalek that he felt he needed to correct? He felt that the war of Amalek had somehow weakened the importance and the glory of the Jewish people in the eyes of the Gentiles. Both because of the outright chutzpah that Amalek had expressed by warring the Jewish people. Despite all the miracles that the world had seen that God did for the Jewish people, which showed how much God cared for them, so Amalek uh, brazenly attacks the Jewish people, and he subtracts from our glory, saying, yeah, I can attack these people. Another issue wasn't the actual war, that Malik fought with the Jewish people, there was, an, there's a, there was another issue. The issue was, the way we won against Amalek wasn't similar to the way we won the Egyptians. The Egyptians were defeated through an outright miracle. The, the Amalek was defeated through a war. It was defeated by natural means. So that, may, that made the Jewish people appear to be under the rules of nature and, and, uh, and susceptible to attack. And therefore, Yisrael felt, I need to do something about this. Because the Jewish people, because their, their glory and their importance in the eyes of the Gentiles is being diminished, I need to correct this. Uh, look at number six. And that's what Rashi says. It doesn't say that Yisrael heard about the victory against Amalek. It says he heard about the war of Amalek. Because, because his, the issue that motivated him to come join the Jewish people was the fact that people were fighting with the Jewish people, the fact that they had to have a war against them, like, and they weren't like swallowed up in the ground or anything. The other things that happened to the Jewish people, the fact that the manna bread came from heaven, the fact that they had a, 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 a um, well that, of water that came out of, oh, basmachter, no worries, same, same price. The front row seats, back row seats. The fact that they had all of these miracles happen to them wasn't why, why Yisrael decided to come. Want a safer? You want a safer. The reason why he came wasn't because of all these miracles. Rather, he came because of the opposite. He became because he felt the Jewish people were, their glory was being diminished because it looked like they, they were under the rules of nature as everyone, as everyone else. And therefore, Amalek could attack them. Therefore, they had to fight against them. Like, like wasn't wasn't swallowed up in the ground.
he came to contribute the Jewish to the honor of the Jewish people. How do you, how do you contribute to the honor of the Jewish people? Is he going to go die with him? Uh, what did say? The way he contributed, contributed to the honor of the Jewish people was by what he did. He was a very a prestigious priest. Uh-huh. And not just a prestigious priest, but he knew every idol in the world. Okay. And Hasidus actually explains, it wasn't just he knows every idol in the world. Hasidus says, look, I mentioned first answer your question. The, the answer, and, and so by him coming to the Jewish people and saying, these guys have something that no one else has, that, that, that's a great advertisement. You know, if, if someone tries every single religion in the world and they say, I tried it all, these guys have something different he than everybody else. He was hoping that Amalekim was going to say, oh, oh, you saw his name. Not, not that Amalekim. He was, he was talking about the impression, the, 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 the vis-a-vis the other nations of the world as they're oh, going to be, okay, be, be the, the, the look of the Jewish people. So he's going to contribute to their prestige. I always thought he came after. That's what I'm saying. At that point, Amalekim He came after the war with Amalek. He came after. Amalekim will finish, exactly. no? It wasn't about Amalek. He... he, he there, there, after the so why would the nations of the world see differently? Wow, the, the Jewish people, those, those guys who never wore a bunch of slaves, and now look at this, they just won this people. Can, can you compare the prestige Jewish people had after the, uh, after the Six-Day War to, uh, to after the Yom Kippur War? When everyone saw the miracles of Hashem, so in an open and clear way, so everyone was like, wow. Which one, the Six-Day War or the War of that ever actually said there were more miracles in the Yom Kippur War, but right, right, because everyone could see the miracles. It was obvious to everyone. And then I was a kid there. The Arabs were afraid of us. They were afraid Pasha, of us. Pasha, Pasha. They saw a kid, a Jewish kid, go and they left. They ran away. They ran away. Pasha. So that that's how things would have been had Amalek not attacked us, because Amalek attacked us. So that and even lo- though we won, even though war, we won the war. It's still the prestige was not the there. prestige not the same as it was when we were down the after we left Egypt okay. and the spring of the Red Sea. We were like, "You're afraid of the Jews? Wow. Right. No one's going to start up with us." It was insane that he started up with us, but it somehow diminished our prestige. The fact it's that now loyal down. it wasn't the same. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't like like we were like 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 I don't know if you remember in in, in uh, Hashem, I haven't read in Newsweek in many many years. But they have like you know like a list of all the different things of, of whatever they're talking about, and they have arrows up and down, like the order of. You know what I'm talking about. Whatever, they, have, they, have, they used to have a list of like... Uh, you always have the mushroom, the, the hot mikvah. You always have his mushroom. It's a great mushroom. It's not mine. It's 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 mine. One crazy person goes in and gets burnt. But even though he gets burnt, right. still he makes everyone think it's possible to... Um, to, uh, to other go. people try it now. Other people could try it now. So that's how the Jewish people were viewed subsequent to the attack of Amalek. So Yisrael comes, and Yisrael is like, you, you think they're not unique among all nations of the world? You think that they're like everybody else? I want to tell you something. I tried it all, and these guys got it. So Chassidus actually adds to this. I mean, what Chassidus adds to this is, it wasn't that he knew every mishagas, every craziness, that every nation, every single idol of every pagan country at the time. Rather, Yisrael knew about the various intermediaries through which God sends divine flow to the world. So, just like the Torah talks about um, the, the stars and, and how every, every uh, blade of grass has an angel that says grow, and each angel has an, has an angel on top of that angel, and there's another angel on top of that angel, and then there is a divine energy which is higher than angels, 
And there's, there's lots of divine energy, lots of filtering of the, the God's energy till it reaches this world from the way it is emitted from the infinite light of Hashem until it reaches this world. There's a lot of intermediaries, a lot of, a lot of uh, stages. There's, 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 there's so many different um, uh, things that happen to the divine light as it emerges from the infinite light of Hashem until it reaches this world. So you would think... Um, so you knew about that. So, 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 so what, what's the natural thing you think? When you look at the sun and you say the sun's not a big deal, the sun's just the, the axe in the hands of the woodchopper, the sun has no power on its own, that's not such a big deal. Obviously the sun has no power on its own. The sun is, is what's a big deal? But to know that also Atsilus, know that also the divine flow in the world of Atsilus is also nothing. It's also it's zero. Well, there, there's angels also. There's angel, it looks really impressive over there. So there you would think like there's some kind of power over there, some kind of force over there that, that's other than Godliness. So Yisir realized that all of the divine energy, even the, not just the lower, the lower tail end of the, the way the divine energy flows through the, through the, through the, through the stars or through, flows through the sun or the moon, whatever, but even as it, is, it goes through the highest worlds, you know that all these intermediaries are Godlav, Kim. you know they're all like the axe in the hand of woodchopper and they have no power whatsoever. His original mistake was that he thought they do have power. And then they do have a force. That there, there's something there. He felt that they have something. Um, look at... Um, look at number nine. So Yisrael came from Midian, the same place of Amalek. So it wasn't just like he was, you know, uh, as mentioned before, he was a top idol worship expert in the world, but he was also, he was someone who, who grew up and lived around the Amalek. And therefore, his voice was very, very. Um, the fact that Moshe is the son of doesn't that take away from all this? Um, Even worse, though, because he went down to. He is now he's to honored, help Moshe. Now he's honored by his son-in-law, not his son-in-law honored by him. Look, look at number eleven. The issue with Yisrael's. Uh, previous erroneous Valtan um, Shang, his previous perspective uh, on, on the world was um, wasn't because of his taivas. It wasn't about taiva. It wasn't that he had a lot of different uh, lusts and stuff. Rather, his issue was his logic, his ideology. The previous Rebbe uh, was once talking to someone about wearing tefillin, and the guy says that he is a heretic. Why should I wear tefillin? I'm a heretic. So the previous Rebbe responded, Do you think that the title of Apikeris, the title that's used in the Talmud for a heretic, is someone who opens up sunflower seeds on Yom Kippur? That's, that's, a, that's how you get the title of Apikeris. You think it's so easy to be an Apikeris? Apikaris <laughs> is a title that's given not, 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 not just because you eat sunflower seeds on Yom Kippur. To be a real Apikaris, you have to be no lot of wisdom. You have no godly wisdom. And despite the fact that you know all this godly wisdom, you still go against Hashem. That, then you could be an Apikaris. 
So an apikiris is someone who is learning, and his intent in learning is in order to rebel against Hashem. But someone who just is like, is just like eating sunflower seeds in your kipper because you know, like I'm hungry, and why should I have to? Why do I should I be bothered? That attitude is not in the level of apikiris. That is lower than the animal. That's that's that that's not, that that's um, you're not in, in an apicurus is a prestigious title. It's given to someone who is at least a philosopher. You're just a lower than a behemoth. You're lower than an owl. Um, okay, so um, look at note twenty, twelve. Excuse me. It was it was more difficult for Yisrael to know what he did than it is for us to know what we do about about the, the zodiac and the sun and the moon. The fact that we know that all this stuff is not really a force, that's easy. But Yisr, knowing all of the different divine uh, channels was much more difficult to realize that they are than no force. It's the more careful at the highest levels. I remember once I was giving out matzah in front of Yale University, and I asked this professor if he wants a matzah. He bends down in my ear and he says, "Koifer beikir." <laughs> I deny it all, but use the language of the Torah. Anyways, so actually, the previous Shabbos said when a Jew uses the language of the Torah, even if they're using it to spite, it's because they love the Torah. Anyways, so it's, it's, a, it's an Ashama thing. Anyways, uh, uh, but but Rapilo um, Paricha uh, famously. He was once in the middle of Shema, middle of davening, and it's a machzedek in the messenger to build a parish and, and to tell him he has a mistake in Hashem Echad. <laughs> now, his mistake in Hashem Echad is something that we will never have. We will never have a mistake in Hashem Echad. Because we, 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 don't, we don't reach, we don't have a, such understanding of Hashem Echad to make a mistake. But, uh, but specifically because he had a more sophisticated understanding, there could be. What? Right, so so we would, we would never have a problem with, with the understanding of Hashem Echad. There's one Eibushter, right? But his sophisticated understanding of Hashem Echad, you know, the, the, the truth of the Eibushter, and, the, and that, that that was that, that, that you have to be more careful when you get more sophisticated. Dugma Al Tamer Be Kishem Kirbe the Koyal Mal Tatosh Hashemay Kishem Rabbi Vazem Asinu Al Tamer Be Loshin Tumura Shayachiv Bakash Baruch It says when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu he's no longer going to lead the Jewish people. Into we have two minutes as we established yesterday. <laughs> I really gave the two minutes. It says that Hashem told Rabbeinu to um, that he's no longer going to lead the Jewish people in the desert. Instead, he's going to send the Machmatat. So it says Hashem told Rabbeinu, don't rebel against Matat, don't rebel against them. But the word rebel in Hebrew is related to the word exchange. Don't switch Matat for something else. Meaning, just because specifically Matat looks like, he looks godly, therefore you have to have a specific warning and say, Hashem is to tell you specifically, don't mix him up with Hashem, he's not Hashem. That's also when, that's also the explanation of the story in the, in the Talmud, Harakim and other sages went to the garden. They went to explore the deeper, deeper secrets of the Torah. So Rekiva says, when you reach the place of the pure marble, do not say water, water. What does that mean? 
When they went to ascend to, to discover the deepest mystical secrets of the Torah, and they were going to arrive at the at, at the pure marble stones, so Rukiva says, don't make a distinction at that level between the higher waters and lower waters. It's possible to think that the source of divine pleasure, the higher waters, and the source of physical pleasure, the lower waters, are two distinct things, and, there's a, and they're not from the same Hashem. Specifically, when you reach that higher, higher place of godliness, that's when you make that mistake and think that, that this is relevant to Hashem, and this is not relevant, not connected to Hashem. It, that's why the warnings say, don't say water, water, don't consider two different kinds of water, realize it's all one. Realize that the lower waters are no entity unto themselves. Don't separate them from the higher waters. So, Yisrael coming to the Jewish people and, and announcing that all I thought before was all wrong. All the intermediary is no force whatsoever. That he, he, was, he came in order to contribute to the glory of the Jewish people. Uh, and Yisrael had already been overwhelmed by seeing the miracle of splitting the Red Sea, and now he had come to uh, to contribute to the honor of the Jewish people. Not, not, not. It wasn't just. Uh, expressing his his respect and his excitement, he specifically came there in order to defend their honor in the eyes of the Gentiles. Uh, he didn't have a reason to come after the splitting of the Red Sea. It impressed him. He didn't have a reason to come. He only came after the war with Amalek only when their their their, their glory was diminished. Um, okay. Obira shaychas the kriyas yamsuf to explain the connection between the splitting of the Red Sea and the war with Amalek from a deeper perspective, from a perspective of Chassidus, Kriyas Yamsuf represents the fusion of the spiritual and the physical. Just like they saw what was beneath the surface of the water, so too the inner meaning of the splitting of the Red Sea is that that which is hidden from our eyes, the spiritual energy in the world, became revealed. But the war against Amalek indicated that the fusion between the spiritual and the physical, the revelation of Galilee wasn't complete because the clip still opposes Kedusha. Although there was revelation, the war, things weren't over by the splitting of the Red Sea. Although there was revelation, that doesn't mean that there was no clip left in the world. And that's why Amalek attacked them. So Yisrael came in order to contribute to this effort of transform- the transformation of the opposite of the holy to the holy. And that's the advantage of Yisrael's acknowledgement and his, and his saying, Baruch Hashem. It, this did something that far surpassed the song of the Jewish people, the song of Moshe Rabbeinu at the splitting of the Red Sea. They sang a song that's nice. Yisrael comes and says, Baruch Hashem, that's something far more. So the message of the lesson that we're supposed to learn the giving of the Torah every day is that the way to prepare for the giving of the Torah is by two things. By using those things which are distant from the holy, things which are mundane, which are not holy, and bring, elevating them to holiness. 
in a similar way that the Jewish people to fight with Amalek, to fight with something which opposed holiness. So when do you go out in the world and elevate that which is not holy? When, you, when you're supposed to engage with the, war, with the world, you have to first put the Reed Sea. You have to first daven and learn Torah. You have to first get power from your own personal splitting of the Reed Sea. First split the Reed Sea every day and reveal the godly energy in your neshama and, and daven and learn and then you're able to go war with Amalek, and you're able to also elevate the unholy in the outside world. To first split your own Reed Sea before you um, go and, and elevate the world around you. Amitim will continue on this tomorrow. Have a great day. Leave it